Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Corain. And I am joined by Eric Froton here from NBC and at the Combine. Eric, you're there to see it all in person. You were there to see the smallest hands in the NFL. We got Kenny Pickett was the story of the day. He is going to have literally the smallest hands of any quarterback in the NFL when he enters the league. It was, uh, you know, kind of the, the story on Twitter. Does it matter what, like... Is this just kind of a talking point, or should we actually be worried about Kenny Pickett's tiny hands? Oh, gosh, it has been a talking point for well over a month since the Senior Bowl when this whole controversy started. You know, you got the gloves. Oh, he wears gloves. Does he wear two sets of gloves now to make it easier? You know, it's uh, it, it really has taken on a life of its own. But that being said, there's a reason for it. And that is, since 1987, there have been only nine quarterbacks that have not been drafted, have gone through the testing process who have had a hand size under nine inches, which was the Joe Burrow mark, which you could pretty much say from his tweet last year that has kind of had a resurrection around the media where he said, you know, uh, keep me in your thoughts and prayers because I have nine inch hands and, and that's going to do it. You know, I can't have a career now. So, but when you think about the, uh, you, you go through the numbers where it's, you know, 670 quarterbacks have gone through the combine since 1987. Nine have had, have had hand sizes under nine inches. If you've seen the balls too, like it's a, it's an inch bigger, the Duke, as it's known, the pigskin uh, in the NFL. When you're getting into inches. The NFL guys don't call it that. You know what? <laughs> you guys call it the Duke? I don't call it the Duke. You know what, what happened? The reason why this is on the topic of my mind is because at the combine, I was talking to Ontario Drummond and somebody who was next to me, I didn't even see who it was, came over and said, and, and asked a trivia question of Don Terrio Drummond. And the trivia question was, what was the original name that the NFL had given nickname to the football originally? And I had no idea. And Don Terrio Drummond, the look on his face was just like, lady, you want to talk about my route tree? You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he didn't even know what to do with that one. So that's what that's the reason why I know what it's called is because it literally happened right next to me. And I, I looked at the blank stare at Don Terry Drummond, like, what are you asking? So that's how I got to <laughs> Don Terry Drummond had one of the slowest 40s of the day. So that, that yeah, might have turned him off. He did, man. And uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's something he said he was looking to work on his speed. And I was like, well, you know, you, I guess you got to keep working on it. But he is, he was six and a, six foot and a half, 
217. So, like, he's big, man. He's bigger than you think he is. When I saw him in person, I was squeezing inches. Wow. You know, 217, he's solid. He can cut really well. But, I mean, man, he ain't, he ain't beating anybody down the field. He's, he's limited to a slot role. Well, okay. So, to get back to Pickett, does this, does this matter with the hands? And, you know, give us some context on his college career, you know, for, for NFL fans who aren't that familiar with Kenny Pickett. You know, my understanding is that he was kind of okay, and then he had this incredible final season, but he has fumbled the ball a lot, which, you know, in combination with having very small hands, certainly seems like a concern. How big of a concern and, and how what was your what was your kind of general thoughts on him with the hand size aside? OK, I mean, in terms of his career. Right. So uh, Kenny Pickett is no stranger to anybody in the college fantasy football community like myself because he's been around. He's been a starter for four years. Uh, the previous two seasons, 2019 and 2020, uh, he threw for a pretty good amount of yardage, but he wasn't cashing in the TDs. You know, he, he just wasn't uh, converting in the red zone, so to speak. He, had, he only threw 13 touchdown passes in each of 2019 and 2020. So, you know, when I asked him about that, I actually, you know, it was a question I asked where I was like, look, you know, uh, Mark Whipple comes in, his offensive coordinator from the University of Massachusetts. Mark Whipple was the head coach, and he's the guy who made Adam Brenneman, if you remember, a few years ago. And obviously, Andy Isabella, who had a blistering, I want to say like 4 2 7 or something, using the 4 2s, his 40 time. And that was Mark Whipple. That was UMass's offensive coordinator. So when I asked him, I was like, Kenny, three rather middling seasons before you came out and really emerged. What do you kind of attest this leap to? And he kind of an interview, he said, just being familiar with Mark Whipple's system and finally like everything kind of coming together for him after, you know, so many reps of being a, you know, a senior leader quarterback and just having that high octane offense, you know, be able to quick hit, passing oriented and, and you know, moving with it with a pretty good amount of tempo. And they did it, you know, you got to give them credit. In terms of things that I look at that uh, that concern me, you know, outside of the hands, he does seem to get a little bit of, you know, like happy feet in the pocket when he, you know, he's in a pocket, it's clean, and he starts getting a little antsy if he doesn't hit his, you know, first or second read right away. You start seeing his feet get, a, you know, dance a little bit. But, you know, to his credit, he ran a four six seven at the 40. So he's, you know, in terms of athleticism, that was way better than I thought he was going to be. He, his number was a four, seven, eight on prize picks. So he definitely bested that. And in terms of throwing, he threw fun. Well, they, they actually adjusted it down, which is, a Oh, are we gonna we'll get to, it too? That, you know, the, the whole 40 time. Fiasco. They got adjusted down. Maybe we should get into that real quick. Now it looks like basically all the 40 times have been adjusted. If you, if you were copying down 40 times early in the day, uh, you're going to need to go back to your spreadsheet and adjust basically all of them. Kenny Pickett was adjusted down to a 473. I believe we had a record setting 40 that then got adjusted down yeah, to, to a 428. Yeah, Taekwon Thornton. Basically, everyone's 40. Yeah, Taekwon Thornton is supposed to have a 421. And my gosh, uh, a seven, you know, hundredths differential. Uh, that's that's a pretty big correction, you know. So John John Ross lives to see another yeah. day. His record. What, what yeah. happened there? Yeah. What happened with the with the forty times? Why are they all adjusted? Uh, I would guess that insufficient uh, technology in terms of, uh, you know, they can go and have a, a relative, you know, what they think they crossed it at, but then, you know, they have to slow it down, get to like literally like a, you know, 
a, a race, you know, like a horse race where you get down to like, where does it actually break? Here's the, the mark where the first part of his body hits, you know, the, the track, whatever it might be. So gotcha. it, it's about calibrating and far beyond anything that I understand, of course. For the listener, make sure to make sure to check the the forties uh, on Friday because they're they're not going to be what you saw midday Thursday, but nothing too too crazy. I think Olave moved down in a decent way. He has a I think like a four three nine, and he he was uh, like like in a four two nine or four three one before that or something. He was one of the bigger shifters. He was originally originally reported as four two six. There you go. Yeah, originally reported as four two six. That is a massive move from four two six yeah. to four three nine. So, I mean, we thought Tyquan Thornton 421 to 428 was much, but I mean, goes to show, you know, how, how, you know, detailed and deep in the minutiae that they try to get to make sure that they get everything as, as accurate as possible. Speaking of Pickett working out and, and running the 40, not many quarterbacks besides Pickett of the, of the guys who were expected to go high ran the 40 or, or did much. Desmond Ritter ran a 452, but we didn't see Malik Willis run, we didn't see Howell run. Uh, we didn't see Corral run. Thoughts on those quarterbacks? I mean, it probably doesn't matter if they if they worked out right. What matters more is the positional drill. So, did anything jump out to you from the quarterback class in terms of the non timed workouts? Yeah, I thought Carson Strong showed a pretty good ability to throw the ball down the field with accuracy. He hit Chris Olave in stride on his first, you know, what was of the deep throw portion of things, right in like the pocket of where you know his catch point he had like he's running a fly 40 yards downfield and like it was a body catch because he hit him perfectly right in the ribs you know on the catch so uh you know i I liked his accuracy Uh, another interesting little anecdote about carson strong that i picked up just among the interviews you know talking to people you pick stuff up you know he went and he tore his acl which has really been the big knock on him uh in the spring and then six months later came out and was able to gut it out and play six months off an ACL. And obviously his mobility was limited. He got knocked obviously with his, his footwork, you know, deservedly so, but there are mitigating factors Mm -hmm. to that. And I felt like he looked better, you know, a year off of that knee surgery, Uh, just looked a little more confident, throw the ball with velocity, you know, without a doubt, he looked really good. I I really, I, I liked what I saw out of him just in this, this limited throwing session. Do you think that the combine is going to do enough to kind of help solve the the jumble that we have at the top of the quarterback class, or is it still murky about you know in terms of which of these quarterbacks is going to go first, which ones might fall out of the first round? Any kind of clarity that came out of the combine? Well, gosh, it's it's like you know it was the same cast as we had at the Senior Bowl, you know, doing those drills going through the one-on-ones, going through, you know, the, the full set of practices. So in, in that respect, you know, we have seen these guys throw before because Corral didn't throw, Corral didn't work out. You know, he's, he had to get his shoulder fixed and he doesn't feel like he's there now, but he did say he plans to throw on his pro day and, uh, you know, obviously run at that point too. And that's a really big deal because I really feel like for this class to get shaked, shaken out, I, you got to put him through the paces because I, in terms of the mm-hmm. tape, in terms of watching all of these, you know, I, I would consider, you know, probably six, maybe cone seven, you know, he slides in there. He had a good second half uh, quarterbacks. I, I just feel like they haven't, you can't say who's who until I see Matt Corral go out and do it. Cause he's the number one guy in my opinion. 
I feel like he throws with tempo. He's comfortable in the pocket. Like as soon as he gets it back there, sits. He's making his first read a lot of the time, which is the big thing that he gets knocked for. Can he make the progressions at the next level? You know, because he isn't going to be able to run Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, you know, Lane Kiffin, their head coach at Mississippi. They're not going to be able to run that RPO heavy, quick, spread, tempo offense in the NFL the same way that they did. So, um, you know, that's certainly a, a question I have about Corral. But in terms of his accuracy, in terms of his, uh, you know, the arms there, uh, the tempo, I, I, I'm a big fan of Corral. He's my personal QB1. Don't tell Thor, though, because he's Mr. Malik Willis. <laughs> so did uh... – I mean, do you, do you see, because I've heard some good things about Willis as kind of, you know, really impressing in the interviews uh, through the combine. Is he emerging as the number two guy or kind of a, you know, a 1A, 1B situation with Crowler? Do you, do you think it's still basically wait and see until we get an actual, you know, some throws from, from Corral? With Willis too, all right. Well, Corral didn't test, but what is Willis, you know, probably the thing that he's most special at, and it's his ability to run in the open field, you know, when uh, when the protection breaks mm-hmm. down. Simply, he led the uh, all of college the past two years. So in 2020 and in 2021, he led all of college, uh, you know, the FBS in quarterback scrambles. He also led all of the FBS in each season, you know, 20 and 21 in sacks. So, um, you know, as, as you know, when you're a quarterback – well, it's just being fast doesn't mean that you can climb the pocket. Doesn't mean that, you know, you can navigate when the, the seas get choppy out there. You know what I mean? And that's something that is the biggest question for me about Malik Willis, because it's not his arm. Certain, I mean, even though he didn't run, you know, I, we all want to see it. But I feel pretty good about him at six foot 220, that kind of elusiveness in the open field, difficult to tackle him, you know, guys bounce off him. I don't have any questions about that, you know, for the most part, but I do have questions about his poise, and I have questions about his ability to handle pressure in the NFL. That makes sense. All right, let's get into the wide receiver class because this is a fun wide receiver class, and we had some really interesting showings. We can start with Traylon Burks, who I just kind of want to get your sense of him in terms of you know the in-person viewing. Like, does he does he kind of look the part? Because you know, kind of the classic old school, big wide receiver. He does weigh in at 225, which is, I believe what he was exactly listed at 6'2", 225. Uh, what were your impressions of him? In terms of coming into this process, big fan of Traylon Burks. I mean, you look at just about everything in terms of his play speed and he's one of those guys that he puts the pads on and he doesn't lose a step. You know, he ran a four, five, 40, started out with a four, five, five, ran a four, five, the markets had him right around four four, so like there was you know high expectations on what he was going to do speed wise. But mm. what we don't see is with the pads on how fast he is. And on I believe week three he took a uh, just a quick screen ninety five yards against Rice, and during that run he hit twenty two point six on the miles per hour scale. So uh, by you know relative, I forget exactly what the uh, you know the the account was but yeah 22 yeah 22.6 is that's ridiculous. fast ridiculous obviously Devin fast. Chain, who's you know a olympic class sprinter for texas a&m who will be taking over for isaiah spiller like that's the level of speed we're talking about there getting in the 22 and a half 23 mile an hour range so you know his play speed i'm not as worried about as you know we were the market had his 40 time initially at 437 bumped it up to 444 so you know he went over what the market had projected but I'm not worried about that as much because of, like I said, you know, his play speed. What I what was, you know, 
it wasn't one thing with Burks. It was one thing after another because he's kind of been built up as this physical freak, 6'3", 225. You know, he's going to run the 4'4". Four, four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can do anything. He can jump. He can high point. He can test, like, they move him all over the formation. Great. He can carry the ball. You know, they just – he's really been presented as, as this cure-all sort of a prospect. But, you know, you, you look when he gets measurements. He's not 6'3", 6'2". He's not going to, you know, he didn't do a 38-inch vertical. He did a 33. You know, he doesn't have, like we heard about, dude, it, it, the only person we heard on par in terms of hands with Kenny Pickett was Traylon Burks and his quadruple X hands. Well, that quadruple X hands measured in at nine and seven eighths, all right? You measured in under 10 inches. He had seven tight ends with bigger hands, you know? Biggest hands in the class was actually a five foot 10 receiver in Sky Moore. Which had a ten and a quarter inch. He's five ten, you know. So I just feel like, and then obviously we talked, you know, we talked off air, but we just got the three cone results for Mister Burks, and it was like a tractor trailer backing up yeah. in terms of his change of direction ability. So all these factors start kind of coming into play. That you know he does look great in the tape. I am a fan of Traylon Burks, but man, none of the testing is back. I mean. It's just a little bit off on mm-hmm. every plateau that we expected him to hit. You know what I mean? And when you're being billed as an as absolute freak, otherworldly athlete, you want to see him hit those benchmarks. He didn't crush anything. Like, he, he had a 122-inch broad, which is good. But, like, if he paired that with, like, a 38-inch vertical, we'd be like, all right. But he paired it with a 33-inch vertical, much less impressive. So it's just, like, he disappointed in some areas – and then he didn't crush in any area. So altogether, I, I I agree. It's it's a bit of a disappointing day. Does it affect his draft status? Because I think, you know, the way I look at these numbers in a lot of ways is basically like, how's it going to affect the draft status? The NFL looks at the stuff. The NFL's baking it in. I don't know that you want to pay like a ton of attention once we get the draft position to like a 33-inch vert, you know, if he's still – a He's a late first round pick. I don't care about the 33 inch vert, but I certainly care if it's going to drop him. You know, does he have any chance to fall into the to the third round? Is, is he is he locked into the first? Like, how bad of a day was this? Well, he is not falling the third round. I mean, no, because okay. the aforementioned play speed. He's just, you know, maybe we had to oversized expectations. Maybe it obviously did get a little bit too much on Burks, and we needed to kind of have a market recorrection on you know a guy who's 225 pounds you know he's not even 200 pounds he's 225 you know what i mean so these are still pretty good marks that if we weren't expecting you know otherworldly sort of scores that we'd probably be say all right well you know Traylon burks is a good athlete um again i think his play speed is gonna be able to kind of override some of these concerns but um where the top five receivers or so are so closely mm-hmm. aligned and having talked to several different prominent analysts here at the Combine, I, I've I've heard five different number ones. You know, I really okay. have from very reputable guys who know what they're talking about. So when you have a class that's that close, yeah, I, I think it will probably drop him down a couple of notches or at least a notch, you know, uh, if there is a, you know, 50-50 situation between him and another player. Yeah, and it seemed like be, entering the day is sort of like, where does he go in the first round? And now maybe it's, does he go in the first round? Wait, uh, it, it's probably, yeah, it's probably yeah. 20, 20 to 30 is, would be just my guess. That makes sense. Okay. 
Let's talk about Drake London, who did not work out, but, you know, how was he supposed to? He's dealing with a dislocated ankle. Says he's about 85% in terms of his recovery from that dislocated ankle. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, well, he he measured in. It's funny. Throughout the season, he was billed at 6'5", 210. And he actually measured in at 6'3", 6'3", you know, so like almost just a little bit under 6'4", and 217. You know, so he's a little smaller and a little heavier than what we had thought. And I definitely felt like he was probably in the 220 range in terms of, you know, his his tape. Because, man, you're talking about an absolutely physical, monster, very aggressive receiver who wants to put that. Like, they threw him just quick hitches mm-hmm. and he gets it, turns around. And as soon as that cornerback sees him coming, he is taking that stiff arm hand and burying them in the ground every time. Like he can't he can't be tackled one on one on the outside. He's just too big. So, um, what's what he said was that he dislocated his ankle in the eighth game of the season. Despite the fact he dislocated his ankle, he still got a hundred and like twelve targets. It, it, almost unbelievable amount of usage. Um, the best comp I could give to people who are in the fantasy community here would be he played the the Michael Pittman role in USC's offense that Pittman played two years ago, where he got so much volume. You know. Same sort of a, a, a vibe. Pittman's faster. I know he's going to be faster, but he's not as big. He's not as physical as London is. So um, I'm really interested to see what he can do. But with a dislocated ankle, he said he's 85% recovered is what he termed it as. Uh, he said he thinks he's going to run for his pro day. That's something we all need to see because he's big, but he doesn't have the DK Metcalf downfield ability. You know, he doesn't have Christian Watson, who's a kid from North Dakota state who really blew up the senior bowl. He went out and he ran an excellent 40 time in the four threes, you know, I think four, three, six. So there are some big wide receivers in this class that can move Taekwon Thornton, obviously. Um, but Drake London, everybody wants to see what that time's going to look like. Cause he's not, he doesn't beat people downfield. He contested catches them. He out, he out physical, physical them just, you know, mass, but there's real questions about if he, is he going to run in that Dontario Drummond four, six to four, six, five. Yeah. Cause he was also used a lot on screens. And so if he doesn't have, you know, tons of, yeah, that might not translate right at four, six, five, that's not going to translate. So I, I agree. I think that's going to be really critical. I do feel a lot better about him after he weighs in. Cause you, you mentioned Traylon Burks, not quite as tall as we thought. Drake London is six, four. Uh, that that was confirmed just to just a like point one eighth under six four, and then weighs in at two nineteen. He had been listed at two ten, and it was like a weird type of comp situation. We were like, he looks like maybe Mike Evans or like a Vincent Jackson, you know, kind of like guy, like contested catch guy. But he's got what like he's losing 20, 30 pounds on those guys. So. I know it's only nine pounds, but it does make me feel better about that contested catch profile. Do you, did you, did he play it this weight or has he kind of been putting on weight since the dislocated ankle? Do you have a, do you have a read on that? I'm pretty sure he's playing, playing it this weight. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's playing it this way. I mean, he's, he looks the same, you know, as he had. Maybe he gained a couple of LBs because he's got a dislocated ankle and he can't run the way that he wants to. He's only been running for a couple of weeks is what he said. Mm. So I, I found it interesting that he quantified himself at 85% when he's been just started running for two weeks, but Hey, this is uh this is Drake London's world. We're just living in it. <laughs> but uh, what I think really makes him a little bit different, what makes him 
the special aspect of him is he was a you know, scholarship basketball player at USC, you know, his first season, but then yeah. he was just so good. He's like, look, I, I got to go where the money's at. But, you know, he uses some of that footwork. He even said in his interviews, like, I use my crossover, I cut my press. Um, it's helped his body control, things like that. So I feel like his, you know, the high pointing ability, the body control is legit. He's pretty good on like a, a one cut type of deal, but you know, Mike Renner from PFF, who I also talked to about him, is absolutely loves London. He thinks he's the one. Um, doesn't care, isn't worried about the 40 time because he's not going to be Nikhil Harry. He's so much more physical. He's such a different player than that. You know, um, you just can't kind of compare him. And it, frankly, he's different than any really other receiver in this class in that he's he uses his physical. He's, you have to watch it. You know, it's almost like when you, you watch an offensive lineman and he's, you know, pancaking people. He gets the ball and he's pancaking cornerbacks mm-hmm. regularly. It's just not something you're used to seeing. Yeah, that is, uh, <laughs> that's definitely intriguing. Let's talk about Garrett Wilson, who I think is an, a lot of other people's uh, number one wide receiver in the class and kind of like a good day in some ways, but also not a perfect day. He only weighs in at 183. I think we were hoping maybe more for like 190. So he's kind of, lighter but runs a 43840 i think i think originally measured below 43 but the uh the adjusted time 438 still pretty good i mean when his weight came in at 183 the, the twitter consensus was okay now he's got to run sub 44 so he he does that he's got a 36 inch for 123 inch broad jump you know i think he also actually has the same size hands as Traylon burks uh just one eighth under under ten inches, so mm-hmm. you know, not like a a small guy in terms of the hands, uh, decent a wingspan. But does the weight concern you at all, and is it going to turn off NFL teams at all? You know, it's funny you should bring up the weight because it's something that we've heard about from not just Garrett uh, Wilson, but also Chris Olave. Is so, you know that's questions that he's had. You know, is he going to be able to with his you know, light frame, be able to deal with press man coverage. You know, you didn't have to do that a lot last year, but he's gonna, you know, and I actually asked Olave in the interview session, I said, you know, what aspect of your game have you been, you know, zeroing in on and trying to develop and feel like, you know, you've been working on in the offseason process. And he, you know, straight away was like, uh, I've been working on my strength. You know, I'm, I, I didn't eat very well before. Completely changed my diet. Uh, I'm in the weight room. I know that I have to get stronger. He was very actualized about it. You know, some some guys, when you ask them that, they're like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I can do anything. You know, like, they're just, they're not even, you can't even penetrate their veil. Olavi was very, you know, pretty forthcoming about saying that he knows, you know, this is what they're saying. It's not a secret. That's what I need to do. That's what I'm doing. So I like that. And it really does kind of carry over to, to Wilson because they both have similar body types. I do think Wilson can get away with being a little lighter because, um, you know, Olave, his his specialty is is the smooth routes, um, you know, and really hitting that that stem at the top where he makes those late breaks and he loses cornerbacks. You know, um, in 2020, PFF uh, said that he, on 89% of his routes, he got at least one yard of separation. So he's just... He's uh he's very smooth, but Garrett Wilson can just do it all. You know, he can go deep if you need him to, but man, he's such a he's such an excellent route runner and technician. You know, uh, change of direction is, is elite. 
you see him regularly leaving D-backs on outs, you know, hitches, slants, whatever you want to run him on, he's losing people. So uh, I feel really good about Wilson. Uh, obviously, high, high five-star recruit, has done nothing but succeed ever since he came on campus. Maybe you can add a few pounds. You know, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Obviously, Devontae Smith came in weighing about buck seventy last year, and that was something that was a concern. But he ended up doing pretty well out there uh, and survived on the outside in Philadelphia. So I do think that the Garrett Wilson can do the same. He's that level caliber player. Yeah, and he's just a just a hair under six foot. Uh, so you know, does have the frame to add a little bit of weight. And uh, to your point about the route running, he did it from the slot. He did it from the outside. So. You know, the versatility there, I think, is another point in his favor. Um, let's talk about Sky Moore because you mentioned the 10 and a quarter inch hands at 5'10", 195. That was, that was kind of nice to see. 4.4140. 4, uh, that was brought up at one point. He was sub 4'4", 4, 4, which was even more exciting. But 4.4140, 125-inch broad jump. 34.5-inch vertical, which isn't ideal, but, you know, with everything else, not like a huge red flag. How much did he help himself today? Oh, I, I think he certainly helped himself. And, you know, I, I think the hand measurements matter because when he was going through the gauntlet too, you could see, uh, you know, he's absorbing the ball into his hands. He doesn't have, you know, not a lot, no body catching. He doesn't have the T-Rex arms, you know, he's absorbing it very smooth uh, in, in the gauntlet. Looks good. And obviously when you're dealing with somebody that is, at the G5 level production, you know what I mean? It can be a little bit deceptive in terms of his play speed when you're watching him play, uh, uh, you know, against Kent State and, and their horrific defense mm -hmm. as opposed to if he's up there in the SEC, you know? So that's what's important about this 4-4-1 is it verifies that the speed that we see on tape is legitimate and that, you know, these advanced metrics and, and his production, his production was superb. They moved him all around the formation. You know, you mm -hmm. lined up outside 65, you know, two thirds of the time inside a third of the time, but man, 125 targets, you know, 94 catches, 75% completion rate, 1291 yards. But uh, even more so when you dig in 3.4 yards per route run, you know, um, extremely yeah. efficient, you know, Caleb Ellaby, decent quarterback, you know, he, he, he was out there. We saw him too. He, he didn't look too accurate in the drills, but he's at least a guy who got invited to the combine at the G5 who is good enough to be able to put it on the numbers and hit Sky Moore in stride because, you know, he, while he can go deep, he, he's better when he's being versatile and he's being used in, in kind of a, um, you know, a more diverse fashion is kind of how I'd say it since he does have the ability to line up different places. He can dive in the backfield as well. Western Michigan did a great job in terms of using their uh, they prefer to have kind of speed backs back there, Sean Tyler, Darius Jefferson. So he he kind of fit that mold, got a couple of pitches, end arounds, jet sweeps, stuff like that. He's deadly. I mean, he can do a lot of things. Um, had a good senior role. Sky more help himself. He's probably locked himself into the second round is probably what I'd say. That's, that's pretty nice because uh, the production has been jumping out to me since, uh, you know, since I basically learned who he was. 33rd. 33% career yardage share. Uh, his ADOT is totally fine. 11.4 career ADOT. This is not like an underneath guy that they were just forcing targets to. He's like earning real NFL wide receiver mm -hmm. type of targets. Um, so to have the level of production that he did in a short career, I mean, it's just very, very impressive. So 
Uh, if he's got second round draft capital, I'm going to be pretty excited about him entering the league. Who else? Anyone else uh, come to mind in terms of wide receivers who help themselves today? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms, I like Vellis Jones, wide receiver, Tennessee. Uh, he's a guy who really didn't do too much before 2021. But when Josh Heupel came in uh, from UCF and brought his his vertical system, you know, where he loves taking shots downfield, obviously being a former Oklahoma quarterback, which Heupel was, you know, um, he, he likes to get down there and sling it. So he was really good um, in that system and he even got to return punts and kicks for the first time. I think he took two to the house. Uh, was an all-SEC punt returner. First time he ever did it. All-SEC caliber punt returner. Uh, was really good down the sidelines. Verified that speed that we saw on tape with a 4-3-4. Or, um, I don't know, did that get corrected up to? My gosh, I don't even know what gets uh, Where is that? But um, regardless, he's got a 4-3-140. He was... he's, he's somehow had a... Oh, he actually got corrected. So yeah. he actually was a 4-3-4, and he got corrected up, which is definitely... I mean, even he might have just so, run again. Cons- Maybe his second, his second one was faster. I don't know, but I don't think so because yeah. uh, he ran okay. a four four one and then he ran a four three four. So um, I'm pretty okay. sure that was corrected down. But regardless, it's it's one of the few guys who got it actually a bump in the you know secondary uh, analysis <laughs> of his forty time. I'm telling you, he shows it on. Uh, he does it in pads too. You know, he's just coming into his own. Just kind of you know breakout late breakout in 2021. But uh, I think it was his athleticism. He can do that. And we saw Tennessee receivers. Josh Palmer last year uh, was a guy, I think he was a fourth rounder or so, maybe a third rounder. Um, third rounder. But he ended up having, yeah, third rounder. He ended up having, a, a, you know, carving himself out a role uh, as, a, as a rookie. You know what I mean? So um, they've proven that that system, uh, you know, that Josh Seibel has, it produces numbers. It produces, um, you know, obviously downfield shots. And hey, I mean that's what I want to see from a guy that I'm I've got on the outside. I want to see somebody who can win on on one on one press man coverage, has the speed to do it. And Velas Jones, I think he does. Awesome. Uh, any wh- one more? Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Kevin Kevin Austin Jr. I cannot believe mm. how well he tested. Like in in terms of uh, you know watching him at Notre Dame, what he was asked to do. Uh, and you know what kind of specialty was? Sure, he would he would be used on the outside, and they would do go balls to him, you know, without a doubt. We saw that with Chase Claypool. He essentially assumed that role that simply they didn't have anybody to fill in in 2020 because he wasn't around. Kevin Austin wasn't um, feel he's hurt, so he came back and throughout camp looked real good, had really good offseason buzz, but um, and was productive. But man, like he overperformed every drill i thought was a 39 inch vertical uh of course went out and slayed the 40 um i know he was at 437 he got corrected up i believe 441 is that where he ended up at or where is he at that 443 is we got corrected up to um and then he did a nice good broad jump too and then okay yeah, 132 that's good. 132 is a solid broad jump but then i mean the cherry yeah. on the top the, the the drill that no big receiver wants to do the dreaded three cone Best in the class drops a six seven one, and not even close. Wow, best in the class. Yeah. Okay, so my God, all, I mean, he probably had, in terms of testing, the best all around testing day 
from what was expected of him, in my opinion. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay. Any thoughts on the small school guys? We had Christian Watson, uh, Isaiah Weston, and Dijin Dixon. Uh, they, well, two of them had Watson and Weston had pretty good days in terms of the testing. Dixon, not so much. He had a 46240, 34-inch vertical, and 125-inch broad jump. But I assume listeners probably don't know much about any of these guys. So uh, just kind of general thoughts on the small school guys. Yeah, with uh, I'll start with Dejon Dixon, Nickel State. You know, he was a guy who was fairly, you know, had some pub out of high school, but ended up uh, sticking at the FCS level and staying there. But man, he was wildly productive there as well. Um, in terms of what he was doing against that competition, PFF gave him 92 grades in overall in receiving. Um, you know, so in terms of where he was for his level, he, he dominated it. A big thing with him, uh, I, 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 you know, when you get over here in the combine, you end up talking to different uh, people from teams, people from media, you know, all over the place. And I ended up talking to a couple of people, uh, you know, one in particular who's a, a pretty well-regarded guy in the industry in terms of uh, looking at, at the small, small school guys, kind of his core competency. So I talked to him about it, and he was the guy that he mentioned, Dejon Dixon, where he said, you know, you won't believe it. You know, I, I have an idea has, you know, insider information in terms of the, you know, his situation. And he is in terms of physically very strong um, from what he says in terms of his ability to simply manipulate defenders, very advanced. And he is somebody who, when it comes to play speed, you know, someone we've talked about a lot is going to play better in pads than he does when he tests sort of a thing. So he's a guy at least, I don't expect him to be, uh, you know, day two dra uh, draft capital, but uh, I would be interested in seeing what happens if he ends up getting drafted in sixth, seventh round. It just ends up in a camp since I, I do think when you hear those sort of things, you know, you, you got to pay attention, you know, of course. Um, so I would just say, you know, in terms of that, I, I definitely wanted to pay attention to Dixon. And then with Isaiah Weston, man, Northern Illinois uh, goes out. 
there's only three wide receivers in the entire class to do the bench press. Three. So Isaiah Weston, 20 reps, 225 on the bench press. Pretty good. Goes out and runs pretty a good. damn good 40. Like, pretty – a lot of guys didn't do both events because the NFL got some heat in terms of the earlier in the week because they were putting all the tests at once on one day it is kind of how, mm-hmm. how it was termed. So I think he's the only one because yeah. Justin Ross, uh, he didn't did run because he bench and Josh Johnson. Yep. Yeah, they didn't run. Yep, they didn't run. So he's literally the only guy in a 40 wide receiver class who went and did both events and excelled at both of them. So even though he's an FCS guy, you know, you see the physical abilities and his his vertical was awesome too. He was high 30s, 38, 39, and 40 inch. Excuse me, 40 inch on the vert. Dude, you bench press in 20. You're 40, 40 inch on the vert, and you're hitting, you know, in the four fours in the 40 time. Gold. And 135 inch broad yeah, jump. I mean, he, he crushed it. it today. So you it. simply, you know, you have to pay attention to these guys because these are where the Cooper Cups from. From in his case, literally, he literally came from NIU. So um, you know, uh, good program. You know, at the FCS level, been doing a great job of developing players. Actually. NIU um, has a first-round caliber talent t- left tackle, uh, Trevor Penning, who is probably the meanest uh, offensive lineman in this class. So this is, a, this is a program that does well at the FCS level, always has a winning record, always is, is you know a contender, and, and they've done a good job of developing players. So I think you have to give them an extra look. Yeah, and then Watson also had a pretty nice day. A little overshadowed, but uh, no fault of his. He had a 4 3 6 40. Uh, very strong, 38 and a half inch vertical, 136 inch broad jump. So, I mean, we really should be uh, praising Watson as well for a, a very, very strong day. And he was a little bit buzzier coming in. He also has yeah. 10 and an eighth inch hands, uh, 6'4", 208. So, you know, these athletic, because Weston's similar. He he was uh, 6'3 and a half, 214. So kind of these bigger wide receivers with elite athletic ability, I feel like the NFL is not going to mind that they played at smaller schools. No, I think they'll probably be able to stomach that. You know, when it when it comes down to looking at the 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 rocked up frames these guys have, because you know, let's be honest, part of the value of the combine is getting eyes on these guys, and some of them look like NFL guys, and some mm-hmm. of them don't. Let me tell you, Christian Watson looks like an NFL guy. Uh, I actually got a chance to talk to him a little bit uh, after his interview, and I asked him who he sees himself. Uh, being able to mold his game after at the next level that he feels like his skill set could, uh, you know, produce a version of. And he loves Debo Samuel. He loves the fact that he can do everything, run the ball, you know, just a, a complete Swiss Army knife. And the interesting thing is about Watson is even though he's six four, he got a lot of carries, you know, like end arounds all over the place. Um, they line him in the backfield, give him those little quick little pitches, get him on the outside, and it, it eventually – uh, essentially kind of serves as a wide receiver screen. Like North Dakota State, again, another very good FCS program who used them very creatively. Now, I asked him what his favorite route was, and he kind of smirked and smiled. And I think he had an idea he was going to run this time because he, he gave me the go route. If you look at his tape, man, man he <laughs> burns people. Burns people. And I'm talking about like, you know, five yards down the field. He is just toasting some of those cornerbacks. Now, when it comes to his athleticism, I have I don't have any questions about Christian Watson's athleticism. I mean, I really don't. I mean, the kid, 
He looks the part. He's definitely a legit 6'4". Frame, frame measures up in person. Problem I have with Christian Watson is he is a drops machine. He did great at the senior bowl. Mm. You know, that was like his, that was just a, 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 you know, everything came together for him at the Super Bowl. However, you'll just tape. He's got some tough drops. And these aren't concentration drops where you just turn your head real quick. Like he's dropping them. You know, it, it, the poor form. It's, mm. You know, not uh, extending his arms outside of his frame. You know, like letting it get into his body. Um, and that was really evident on the gauntlet drill. He dropped two passes on the gauntlet drill where you don't want to be dropping passes in that. You know what I mean? Like if you if you pace yourself a little, yeah. like give yourself a little pace step instead of like running as fast as you can through it. Okay, that's fine. But um, the fact that there was already kind of questions I had about his hands coming in. And then he looked, he didn't have great catch form through that gauntlet drill. It just further solidified, it, it, not just that too, he dropped two passes downfield, you know? So he's doing the downfield go ball routes, which is his route, and he dropped two of them. So um, I, I have real questions about his hands. If he could be used in like a pseudo Cordero role, you know, um, almost like uh, the comp I, I had for him is like a, a faster, better John Hightower out of Boise State. I know I'm digging deep mm -hmm. in the weeds for you here, Pat. But <laughs> I think that I think that's uh, that player's named Quez Watkins. Oh, the player's named Quez Watkins. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, him and his four three five. You know, a couple years ago, I can't believe him. But anyways, um, that's kind of how I feel about Watson. Is there like the athleticism's there? Like, can can he get his hands right? Because he's got to. Because if you can't get the ball, you're not you're not gonna be on the field very long. And uh, and it's a legit problem. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you uh, about Jalen Tolbert. Not exactly like a FCS guy, but, you know, not the biggest program in the world in South Alabama. He had a pretty strong day, not like one of the strongest days, but uh, 4 4 40, 36-inch vertical, 123-inch broad jump. He has uh, – he's 6'1", 194, 10-inch uh, hands. He kind of checked the boxes from a combine perspective, I feel like. It was all good. No, nothing crazy, but nothing bad. Uh, any thoughts on like where NFL teams are on him? I believe he's a fifth year senior, but quite productive. Well, this, this important context when it comes to Tolbert. All right. First off, as mentioned, he plays in Southern Alabama. So, um, you know, like I said, fifth year guy, uh, for the first four years of his career to say that the quarterback play would be poor would be a drastic understatement. I, I would go as far as to say abhorrent, okay? I'm digging deep into my bag of vocabulary for just how pathetic these quarterbacks <laughs> were. Now, abysmal. Yeah, abysmal. Like we can we can we can run the adjectives. That being said, <laughs> um he something changed this year and that was simply last year he had Desmond Trotter throwing him the ball. And it's funny cuz he got asked after the interview sessions that happened to be like right outside um, you know, sitting around waiting to get a follow up and uh, the gentleman I was standing next to had an awesome question, which was he took it to, you know, this year he had Jake Bentley come in as his quarterback. And Jake Bentley was a two-year starter for South Carolina. So he was an SEC caliber starter. He was a top 20 uh, recruit out of high school. So, I mean, geez, he, he can at least throw a forward pass. Okay. I mean, we know that he can do that. Uh, can he do in the SEC? Not as effectively. Uh, and that's why he didn't even go through the draft process. He actually just, he is now Jake Bentley, a quarterback, uh, excuse me, not a quarterback. So he is a assistant 
uh, at Florida Atlantic, you know, so he's kind of helping Nikosi Perry, who's their quarterback there. Um, but they asked him about how he felt about the transition from Desmond Trotter to Jake Bentley. And his face gave away exactly how he felt about it. And he didn't have, <laughs> like, usually players will be a little bit, you know, like, oh, you know, Desmond's a good player and everything. But, you know, I, I really clicked with, with Jake Bentley more. Nope. <laughs> he was, like, no, I didn't like, he was just like, no, I, I, I like Jake Bentley better. He changed my game. You know, he was a big deal when he came in. Finally, I can get accurate passes thrown to me. I mean, he basically buried Desmond Trotter in terms of his ability for the first three years of his career. And in his defense, you know, um, even with very poor quarterback play, Tolbert had a thousand yards and eight touchdowns and a 17 yards per catch, you know, 17 yards in 2020, you know, and that was, you know, his breakout. He went, and I mean, you, you, you have to understand 129 targets, 82 catches, 1,474 yards in 13 games. Okay. 1,474, you do it in 17 in the NFL, you're God, you know, you did it in, it did it in 13 games. Okay. 85.1 receiving grade, according to PFF. Uh, you know, it's not the end all be all as obviously everybody in the pro realm knows. But when it comes to college, they do stuff that is important that other you know places do to give you context. Three three point two yards per route run. Just a, a very mm -hmm. efficient and, and talented. He, out, he outplayed everybody in the Sun Belt. He was a man among boys out there. And when he comes out and tests like this, it's the same principle as Sky Moore, where if you're going to excel at the G5 level, I want to see you excelling at least in a couple different events presenting yourself to be an above average or at least, you know, very good athlete. And, and he did that as well, you know, and, and I think in a, in a different sense than Sky Moore, you know, he was used in just a much different fashion, man, Tolbert can right. go deep. Okay. 18 ADOT uh, as a sophomore, 17 ADOT as a junior and then this year had a 14.2 but that's because he was able to do more because he had a quarterback who could actually make a more than one throw you know he doesn't just have to chuck and duck downfield he can run through uh make throws to a, a more complete route tree and it really helped his development as a receiver i think it's pretty clear and uh, i'm bullish on Jalen tolbert certainly that, all right that's exciting he's he's really stood out to me in the numbers and looks like one of these guys where the draft position was going to be unclear until we got numbers on him. I think in some ways the, uh, the athleticism for him may be more important than for more, because to your point, he's such a downfield guy. He's not huge. 194, 61. So did need to have like legit NFL deep speed sub four five, I think is that with nice jumps uh, that has a decent chance of translating. So I, I'm, I'm excited. You're excited. Uh, let's talk about guys that people are going to be less excited about after today. I think, Probably two guys, um, uh, you know, unless there's someone I'm missing here, but David Bell uh, just didn't have a very good day in terms of the testing. 465, 40, 33 inch vertical, 118 inch broad jump. The jumps, I think, are the most disappointing for me. I, I, I don't even mind the 465, 40 because he, he seems kind of like he, he struck me as kind of like an Allen Robinson type of player where it's sure. like, I don't need the. Crafty, like, yeah, crafty right. can sink his hips really well. Like change it, he's good. He's crafty. Like in his route running is good. Yeah, uh, he did benefit against going against a lot of zone. You know, frankly, um, and I'm curious mm. how he's going to be able to. You know, he's 
he'll be able to do okay. I think he'll do all right. And he can be a contributing receiver, you know, certainly. But man, you talk about the deep speed here, four, six, five. Nikhil Harry territory, you know, um, he's obviously a guy, I mean, in terms of the analytical profile, he checks a lot of those profiles, you know, those boxes. His usage rate was does, freaking yeah. ridiculous. I mean, absolutely obscene in terms of how often he's seeing the ball out there. You know, as, as a true freshman, to put it in perspective, Rondale Moore was hurt. So Rondale Moore comes out in 2018 and just blows it up. Uh, 2019, he gets hurt early. David Bell is a true freshman, has a, has a, I mean, got 128 targets as a true freshman, caught 86 of them, 1,035 yards and uh, seven touchdowns. But just the fact that Brom, you know, H.C. Brom over at uh, Purdue, where they run a very heavy passing oriented system, you know, behind Detroit Lions great David Blau, you know, who is <laughs> no longer obviously in a Detroit Lions great. But bottom line is, um, you know, guys who can at least distribute the ball in a, in a pretty reasonable fashion. And despite the fact that, you know, he was great as a freshman, got dinged up uh, in 2020, or at least, you know, wasn't as effective. I believe, you know, uh, 53 catches, 625 yards. Obviously, he didn't have the same uh, amount of games because in the Big Ten and he had, had more back. But he was really, really effective this year. And it's disappointing to see like you said the power like that's where the broad jump comes back in the change of direction skill you know yeah. and and his ability to you know uh you know do those bounce routes and stuff like that that's gonna be tough to really achieve at the next level and but this college fantasy and the Devi community very high on david bell way higher i would say than the draft community he's got a lot of love out there I think you're going to see him starting to drop in those drafts because of this poor testing as a result. 7.143 cone as well. So kind of like the trail and Burke situation, but worse um, where he, he bombed basically every drill. Uh, I don't know. I think you can live with a four, six, five, 40 at, at six, one, two, 12, but certainly not good. And then well, there's going to be compensating factors. There. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other guy that I think has some red flags now is Wandale Robinson uh, because he's quite a bit shorter than we thought he was. Uh, five, mm-hmm. eight. And I don't, I didn't see the official that's rounded one way or the other. So he's either like five, eight and a quarter, or he might be five, seven and three quarters. I don't know yet, but he's right. shorter. I think he was listed at like five, 10 or something. Uh, so quite a Let's bit. Let's five, 11, 185. Yeah. Oh, okay. Five hundred right. one eighty-five. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I actually stood. I stood right next to him, and I was like, "Let me size him up," because I'm six three. So I, I'm pretty good with my heights. And when I stood next to him, I was like, "Oh no, that is not five. <laughs> no, he's he's five eleven. Yeah. Like you know, Tom Cruise is five eleven. That's the same you know vein. But um, uh, yeah, I would say when it comes to Wandale, you know, it is he didn't run his forty. He didn't run. That's important because, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, with him, his explosiveness is what his calling card is. You know, his acceleration, it burst um, because he's so quick in those short spaces. You get him those extended handoffs and he can does a great job of making people miss. I want to say he was like six in the country. I think he had 22 he, he FTFs did, last year. He did run a 40, actually. They, they oh, have him at 4-4-4. Oh, I'm sorry. He had a 4-4-4. My apologies. Yeah. Um, so that's great that at least he showed that that explosiveness on tape is there. Where he did have problems today, 
uh, was again in those passing drills. And he went through the gauntlet. He was kind of getting mm. off his line a little bit. Um, he dropped two passes. Seemed like it kind of affected him uh, a little. And then he went downfield. And when he was doing, you know, those routes, he's doing the fades. You know, he's going through, you know, the, uh, you know, the hitches, the comebacks, and then just the straight goes. And he showed kind of questionable hands in that. You know, he fought the ball a couple of times, mm. a couple of just straight drops. Um, a couple of he probably could have fished out. You know, his one in particular was kind of behind him. He had to drop back with his hands, ricocheted off of him. So, um, you know, that's that's a number one is you have to make sure that you can secure the ball. It wasn't a big deal, you know, necessarily in his career. You know, so I don't want to make it seem like it's, you know, the the, the worst thing that's ever happened here. You know, because his, his hands were pretty good. You know, during in in terms of. Uh, you know, during his career, I think he had a 5% drop rate. So uh, I wasn't worried about that as much. But again, the size. Look what happened to Rondell Moore, who we've mentioned a couple of times. We came in here, you know? Yeah. Big time, big time buzz last year. Rocked up, you know, but he's in that 5.859 range. And he goes out and he's just a manufactured touch guy for Arizona for, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, who doesn't do a great job of manufacturing touches at times. Yeah. You don't want to be a <laughs> yeah, manufacturing, manufacturing touch guy. Touch guy. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's what kind of concerns me about Wandale is, are we going to have a repeat performance? Are we going to have something where, where, you know, we get a little bit of fire mm-hmm. up? Because tape's good. Yeah. I mean, he's got, his acceleration's legit. It's good. So is that, so was Rondale's, you know, but Rondale had a two, his average yeah. depth of target was two yards his last season. Two yards, Adon. Okay, ten point four for Wandale. So they're not the exact same guy, but uh, I hope that the you know the size thing doesn't impede his ability uh, at the next level, like it did uh, you know Rondale and Tutu Atwell. You know, Tutu wasn't doing much either. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, let's move to the tight end class. Uh, I don't think a ton to discuss here, but I want to get your thoughts on the top guys: Trey McBride. Uh, he did jumps, but he didn't run. He had 33-inch vert, 117-inch broad jump, 18 bench reps. Uh, you know, not a great day, even though he didn't run. Still, what he did do didn't didn't show all that well. Greg Dolchich, uh, he had 34-inch vert, 122-inch broad jump, 4.740, not bad for 243. Uh, 7.053 cone, 437 uh, 20-yard shuttle, 16 bench presses. And then uh, Isaiah Likely, he also did not run, but 36-inch vert. And for some reason, he did the 20-yard shuttle. <laughs> he didn't do anything but the 20-yard shuttle. <laughs> Interesting choice, four, five, seven. So uh, thoughts on those guys and, the, and anyone else at the tight end? Uh, I guess we'll start with Likely, since he's the last one. But, um, you know, played for Coastal Carolina, which was a team that really came into its own in 2020, you know, uh, behind Grace McCall. I mean, he was a catalyst for that team that you know they played liberty they were both undefeated oh, they played byu I, no which team was it they, whatever they played one of the undefeated teams gosh I, it was 2020 the pandemic season that schedule was so weird anyways um so he went and you know on a good team got a good quarterback in grayson mccall who you'll definitely be hearing about next year and could possibly you know inch himself up into possibly you know day one uh consideration but what makes him special is he flies down that seam. There aren't many tight ends in this class that can stretch the field like he can. I mean, he hits home runs. 
Mm. You know, he really does. And it's, it's consistent. He isn't, you know, he, the measurements, one thing that kind of concerns a little bit is he isn't big, you know, he, he, he isn't that six, five, 250 pound guy that, you know, can shield, use his body to kind of shield you, do all that sort of thing, do the little things, um, you know, long arms, catch other, all that sort of stuff. But he's got a great knack for the middle of the field, finding a soft spot in the zone, and then being able to burn defenders uh, if he gets a good matchup, you know, that sort of thing. If they ever put a linebacker on him, like he, he toasts them. So uh, I'm a big Isaiah Likely guy in that realm for his offensive potential, but he's not going to be, he's not going to do much as a blocker, you know, so that could good. restrict. His- <laughs> this is a fantasy show. We don't- <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's the Brevin Jordan we don't blocking. Right. So last year, Brevin Jordan, you know, you look at him like, wow, this kid out of Miami, you know, he can catch the ball, but he's got the skinny legs. He's getting bowled over, you know, every time he's, he's trying to block. Um, but yeah, I can respect the fact it's a fantasy show, but I, I want to get, as, I want to get these guys as many reps as we can, you know? So that is something that I feel like I got to at least give you a heads up on, but um, you know, likely, obviously uh, he looked good. Trey McBride, you know, it was interesting that he didn't run because Something that, you know, myself and I definitely check and balance with a couple of people here is McBride is really polished with his, with his, you know, his ball skills are awesome. You know, he's, his frame, you look at him, looks the part, he's rocked up a little short, you know, that's six, three, you like to see six, four, six, five, if you can. So he is a little on the small side, but what really concerns me, you know, that's kind of just incidental. He still is two fifty three. Uh, his feet are slow on the gate. Um, so his bird, he has, he has heavy feet, you know, that's pretty much what it is. So I'm concerned about a, a slightly undersized tight end at six, three being able to overcome while, while he's savvy, he doesn't have that extra gear and I think that's why I didn't run because he's against G5 guys, a Colorado State kid. Mm-hmm. So it's the same principle we're talking about where you have to find out how to gauge these guys. And he's not running. And he's a G5 guy. And he's, you know, the, the pre-combine consensus TE1. He isn't my TE1, but he is, a, you know, pretty much the general one. I think there's red flags here, you know. And I don't have him as my tight end one anyways. And I think the people who do have him as one – while he's got great ball skills and he's dynamic, you know, he, he does some really great things. He's fun to watch, you know, in terms of his ability to catch the ball. He's one of only two tight ends in the country to have over a hundred targets, you know. So he was road hard and put away wet by Steve Adazio, former BC coach this year over at Colorado State. But I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm he just knocks him out of TE one competition for me. It just does. I mean, he might go and, and run. Who, okay who's your TE one? I have a T1 that I think is kind of a little bit outside the box, which kind of makes me – I like it. Um, I will say that Dulcich is – he's kind of like 1A and 1B. I really like Greg Dulcich. Not only is he like – his body like look, looks good, lean, you know, but like still rocked up and he can move. And he at UCLA, I mean, he was a weapon, you know, legitimate. Talk about going down the seam like Isaiah Likely. Dulcich is probably better. And he's got a bigger route tree that he can run than likely can, you know, and he's 6'4. So um, better blocker, you know, you can do more things. Um, play it obviously at the Pac 12. Had to block more because it's he played for Chip Kelly. 
you know, obviously everybody knows who Chip Kelly is over in the NFL, but at the college level, you know, he's at UCLA and that system plays. So it's a run heavy system behind Zach Charbonnet, who you guys will be hearing about next year. He'll probably be second round pick, third round pick. And, uh, you know, he can do it all. So I don't see him coming off the field for anything. He's going to be flexed out more. You know, he was used out there probably like two third, I would say 60% of the time, 65% of the time he was flexed. Um, but the fact that he can do both is going to mean he can get out there. He's going to be on the field more. I think he does more than McBride in his first game. But my other number one tight end that I'm still jostling with, uh, he didn't do anything because he's injured. Cade Otten, Washington. Uh, as a college fantasy guy, I had him all over the place last year, everywhere. Rich tight end history over there in Washington. Obviously, you know, you had Hunter Bryant, Jeremy Stevens previously. Um, you know, they do a good job developing them. They tend to get those freaks and, and, and mold them. With Otten, one, probably the smartest tight end I talked to, uh, legit 6'5 and 250, like can put on weight. I, I don't think there's any reason he can't put on 10, 15 pounds, you know, because he, while he is, you know, big, he's 6'5 and he's filled out, like he isn't as wide in the shoulders if he were to go out there and just start racking up weights, you know? So I like that. But the, the best thing about him is he's, sets up his routes really nicely, especially out of being in line because, you know, he's a willing blocker, but he's not a technically proficient one. So I kind of like that as you do, Pat, where it's like, all right, you know, he's willing, but he's a better receiver, you know? So um, what he really does, he does, he does really well in terms of shielding defenders, using his long arms, going outside of his frame to make catches, um, you know, just having an advanced feel for space, eats up zones, uh, just everything about his, his game, uh, you know, was ready to peak this season. Unfortunately, what happened, what hurt him is Washington was a damn dumpster fire. I mean, they couldn't do anything. They got the, their coach uh, already fired. It's the second season gone. He, they already got rid of him, brought in Kalen DeBoer, who's a really advanced offensive mind, but um, he just simply gets hurt. But even before then, they didn't have – the level of offense, you know, <clears throat> um, and passing game to be able to do that. So, so I like Otten. Getting choked up about him. I mean, man, he's a <laughs> Proton's got a got a little bit of a a bug in his throat there. Uh, you had mentioned off air Daniel Bellinger had, working on had six hours. As well. Yeah, working on six hours of the past two days with all the stuff we've been doing. That's, that accounts for the uh, the ho- the coarse voice, and we're also you know taping on Thursday night after all the drills are run. So Pat, uh, Pat and I are burning it's the midnight oil. in the morning yeah. here in <laughs> here in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm doing my best, uh, everybody. I'm trying. You mentioned Bellinger had a good day. Um, he had a four six three Bellinger at two hundred and fifty three pounds. That's pretty nice. Uh, just any quick thoughts on him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only to run a four six three, it was one of the better times in the class. He put up the second most on the bench, put up 22 reps. Okay. So uh, 10 and an eighth inch hands looked good going through the drills, you know? Um, And he's a guy who, you know, obviously at San Diego state, it's a familiar refrain, similar to Otten, terrible quarterback play, Um, heavy, heavy run, run, heavy scheme run by Brady Hoke because they're a defense oriented team. And their defense is one of the best in the country every single year. So they tend to ride their, their running back, Greg Bell, uh, this season and have more of, you know, uh, definitely the secondary option is the pass game, you know? So while he didn't have prodigious numbers, 
you know, you, you watch him and he moves fluidly. You know, he doesn't, he's big, but he can move, you know? And obviously that's backed up by the fact that he ran a four, six, three in a, a tight end class that is kind of jumbled a little bit. You know, every, like I said, I have about like you know, four or five guys that I kind of like uh, in that spot, but they Bellinger has the physical intangibles that just simply they don't. So I'm really interested to see what the NFL values him at. And, you know, the higher he goes, I would think the more you kind of have to pay attention to him for fantasy purposes, probably gonna need a little bit of an acculturation process, obviously at the next level, since he's making that G5 leap, but um, you know, he goes third, fourth round. Okay. Well, you know, he slips in the third. I, I think you have to be mindful of him since, you know, we've seen how many tight ends come from relative obscurity to be really good. Yep. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. Perfect kind of uh tight end premium dynasty, cheap dart throw, keep it cheap. And uh, maybe in two, three years, you got some. All right. Uh, Proton, I'm going to let you go, but we are not done with the combine. We got running backs tomorrow. That's going to be a big day for fantasy purposes. Anything that you're looking forward to uh, in terms of the running back workouts tomorrow? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, just trying to figure out who is going to run and who isn't because there's a lot of guys there. I know that Isaiah Spiller isn't. Um, Brees Hall in his interviews uh, was very adamant. Like he, in terms of like being definitive, he certainly was in saying that, um, you know, he feels like the, where he gets dinged is in his speed because he is a very complete back. He's got the size, he's got the feet, excellent vision. You know, he's a self-made guy, three-star uh, prospect who, you know, Matt Campbell, the head coach there coached up to be in terms of complete, he's the most complete back. I mean, in the past two years, he is the most complete back in college football. Um, but Kenneth Walker has home run ability. So I want to see what Brees Hall is going to run. Cause he said, he's gonna, um, if he can be right there near that four or five mark at two twenty eight, which is what he was billed at, you know, uh, in college with his kind of smooth gait, his intangibles, you know, nice feet. He's got a nice slide step and the whole, just everything about Brees Hall is a complete player. If he can put that cherry on top of it, with a with a good strong forty time, I think probably he probably will be the number one running back in this class, unless Kenneth Walker just blows everybody away with his forty time because he does have that next gear. And that's if anything about this running back class, there aren't a lot of ringers who have that, you know, the next gear. And it's pretty much Kenneth Walker has it in addition to the size. So um, that's really the one intangible. But Brees Hall, I want to see how he runs. All right. That's uh, that'll be uh, fun to look forward to. Let the people know where they can uh, find all the good combine coverage we have, all the excellent college football coverage that you guys have for us at NBC. Sure, well, it's naturally at the college football section at NBC Sports Edge, where myself and Thor Nystrom will be posting uh, daily columns. Pretty sure Thor already has his up and was pretty comprehensive about his Thursday review. Uh, we'll have a couple more tomorrow, and uh, we'll do so through the end of the combine, which goes through Sunday is the last day of testing. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.